Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. And hey, this is December 2022, so it's our last episode of the year. And what I wanted to do in sort of a way of wrapping things up is actually get into this concept further of signs of balance. So we've been talking about finding balance um, and uh, and a little bit giving you a little bit of a look under the hood as it relates to our thinking as we develop our outlook for 2023. And so I kind of want to wrap it up and and we'll get into sort of where where we're headed. Uh, And as we start next year, we're going to kick off our first episode with our actual formal outlook, which is being written up and, and, and getting ready to get published. It'll be published the first week of January. So again, we're going to focus further on the idea of finding balance and signs of balance. And, you know, when we look back over this year, of course, we saw a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, uh, and a number of issues that really caused uh, trouble for the market and the economy. Uh, a good example would be the uncertainties in D.C., just a very aggressive and competitive year as it relates to kind of gearing up for the midterms and then those finally uh, happening and and we have some clarity on where we're headed for the next couple years. Of course, we've had uh, persistently higher inflation, which has caused the Fed to turn more and more hawkish, which increases our risk of recession. It's dampening earnings growth and it's uh, caused volatility in the markets and weaker markets. Uh, as I always like to say, wrapped all around this are geopolitical tensions. So, of course, we've had the tragic war in Ukraine. We've had issues with the pandemic and reopening, supply chain issues, and uh, other kind of points of tension around the world from a geopolitical perspective. So, uh, obviously, what we've been talking about then in the last uh, two or three episodes is this idea that we do think uh, as we get into 2023, we're going to find balance on a number of these issues. And uh, we talked last last time about h- how we've seen some signals of finding balance. Um, and what I want to do is sort of continue that discussion, but also point forward, look forward into 2023. So first, uh, the election. It took a while for various uh, uh, specific races to be settled out, but we are finally at a point where we know where things have landed uh, with Congress. The House of Representatives went Republican very, very, in a very uh, sort of soft majority, 222 uh, to Democrats at, uh, at uh, 213. And uh, essentially, you know, bottom line is that's a, that's a very small majority, but it is a majority, so we'll see how that affects things. In any event, on the Senate side, uh, with the Democrats taking the runoff in December uh, in Georgia, uh, they actually have a 51-49 majority, so they no longer lead need uh, the quote-unquote president of the Senate, which is Vice President Kamala Harris, to, to be the deciding vote. They have 51 votes and can get things that are simple majorities done. Uh, but again, given especially that uh, often you, you need more than that to get things done in the Senate, um, and and also both the both houses, if you will, of Congress have to uh, ultimately pass legislation we're we're in a you know, kind of a traditionally uh, divided government, and so what'll be interesting to watch is that it will be just as much the debate and discussion and 
and work that goes on within each party? And then where do we find sort of bipartisan uh, co- cooperation? Now, obviously, as it relates to um, legislation in the new Congress, it will need to focus in on you know things that are necessary, like budgets and debt ceilings and things like that. And then maybe one or two things that we've discussed before that will be sort of bipartisan in nature, like reg- regulations on tech or cryptocurrency or something like that. In any event, there's still a lame duck session uh, a little bit left, I think. And there's, you know, just work getting done to try to get certain legislation done. But but I think the main takeaway, which, again, I know I mentioned last time, is this idea that we had a bunch of uncertainty before the midterms. We had the midterms. Now we know where we stand. And while people are already setting up for 2024, the bottom line is we know we're in divided government. That lack of uncertainty for a while helps out, really, in terms of where we're headed. Now, uh, next up, of course, is inflation. And I think one punchline... Uh, for this episode is that the uh, November inflation report, CPI, was better than expected and showed some pretty muted numbers, which was really good. Uh, now, recall that we've talked about the idea that goods inflation uh, had sort of uh, gotten uh, um, heated up a little bit uh, back in in 2021. Um, this was really around supply chain disruptions, but thankfully, in the sort of second quarter and beyond in 2022, things have calmed down. And in fact, the, that segment of CPI in uh, November was actually a negative uh, growth. And so uh, then when we look at services, um, you know, essentially uh, it's really pent-up demand and the increasing shelter costs that have been uh, the culprit. And honestly, that is an area where um, the inflation remains pretty elevated. It's the one area where that the that the Fed's looking at very very closely, and while the numbers softened a bit in November, they're still a little bit elevated. In any event, when we look at energy and food, uh, each in their own way, um, energy uh, is volatile, and it was actually negative for November. And food has been elevated by historic standards, but uh, and, and again related to supply chain in Ukraine, but it's calmed down just a smidge in November. So anyway, long story short. November CPI was better than expected. It's cooled down a, a little bit. Uh, the Fed acknowledged it as a as a positive view, but I, I think they remain worried, and, and uh, we remain worried about elevated inflation. And so the Fed has signaled yet again that they're going to uh, essentially keep cutting rates. And I'll get into the Fed meeting in a second. Now, from an expectations perspective, as we've seen before. Consumers still think inflation will remain elevated over the next year, and that comes out in survey data. Um, investors, which we can see through break-even rates, see it calming down to basically close to the Fed's 2% target. And, you know, as we develop our outlook, we think it's going to fall in between those two. We don't think we're going to get back to the Fed's 2% target uh, over the next year, but we'll make some good progress and probably be better off than what the, uh, what the consumer believes. Now, we had in, in this Fed meeting that just happened um, uh, an, another summary of economic projections. And just to kind of close out on inflation, recall that the Fed started the year thinking inflation by their favorite measure, PCE, personal consumption expenditures uh, inflation, PCE. They thought it was going to be 2.6% uh, for, the, for the year, again, fourth quarter over fourth quarter when they started the year. So a year ago, their projection was we'd have inflation of 2.6% this year. That didn't happen. Over the year, 
their forecast progressed. It was 4.3 in March, 5.2 in June, 5.4 in September, and now they're expecting 2022 to end up uh, at 5.6%. Now, I think the important thing to understand anyway about inflation is that's been a real trouble spot, obviously, uh, as it relates to the idea of finding balance and signs of balance, that November print was pretty important, meaning we've seen it calm down, but the, what the Fed's looking for is a series of that type of thing. And so as it relates to inflation, little glimpses of improvement, obviously forecasted uh, break-even rates are really good. We think it's going to fall in between, but that we're going to have a better understanding as we see a progress on that uh, in coming months as we get more and more uh, inflation reports. So a second topic anyway, first was DC and the election. Second would be inflation. We see little signs of improvement. And that leads to the Fed policy, right? So Fed has been super aggressive this year. They met again in December. They hiked rates half a percent. So recall that they'd had a number of hikes that were three quarters of a point. And so people were debating whether this would be a half point or three quarter point. They ended up at a half a point. Um, and, you know, I would say uh, as it relates to the um, messaging, they didn't really change the statement. And in the statement, uh, they basically say, hey, we have to keep going in terms of increasing rates to uh, have a stance of po monetary policy sufficient, uh, sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. So they're saying, hey, we got to keep going. But they also give have language in there that says, but we're going to watch the data. So the committee will continue to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook, which would include where inflation is headed. And so, you know, long story short, you know, uh, people weren't surprised by the Fed meeting. That'll be the next thing that we'll be watching carefully is, well, where does Fed policy go from here? Um, you know, we, we think the Fed... Um, uh, will cease its hikes um, next year. And uh, we'll get into the fine-tuning of that in our outlook next next month. But think of it as probably less than what they're saying they're going to end the year at next year, uh, which is up over 5%. We don't think it's going to quite get there, nor does the market, by the way. Um, and uh, And so, again, we'll get into that, the details of our outlook for 2023. But imagine the idea being that we think we'll find some balance through the idea that the Fed will end up not having to act quite as aggressively as um, as uh, they're currently forecasting. Uh, now, obviously, the Fed is focused on its dual mandate. So on one hand, they've, they are sort of responsible for tuning policy to maximize employment. And if anything, we're sort of overshot on that, right? Unemployment's very, very low. Uh, the number of uh, job openings greatly exceeds the number unemployed available to take those jobs. That's an imbalance. One of the imbalances is driving wages up. That wage pressure, consumer engagement, et cetera, is, is a force that's helping drive inflation up. And that's the second component of the Fed's dual mandate, the idea of price stability and having inflation, kind of longer-term inflation and expectations down around 2%. And so, you know, the bottom line is the Fed is uh, giving up some of its uh, the good the goodness of the employment environment in order to try to rein in the, the price stability, which all makes sense on paper. But of course, the the big issue is does that drive us into a recession? And so that that's something that we'll be watching for is that idea of finding balance on Fed policy. 
and and sort of clarity. But once again, we don't think they'll need to go quite as far as they're forecasting. Now, as it relates to the um, the uh, economy, which is another source of stress and worry, uh, imbalance, if you will, uh, we, we see actually uh, the consumer, which represents about two-thirds of the economy, remaining engaged. So retail sales has remained reasonable. Unemployment, as I mentioned, is low. Uh, there's lots of savings, right? There's excess savings from pandemic relief. So there's money to be spent. And we think the consumer will hold up through all of this. And as a result of that, and the idea that employment and the consumer represent uh, important determinants on whether we're in a quote-unquote recession. We don't think we're in a recession yet, which was the same thing we said last in the last episode. And if anything, in our recession dashboard, recall it's 13 different measures that we track, and some of them are sort of signaling potential for recession, others aren't. Uh, we actually took one of them, credit spreads, uh, which is sort of a signal from the bond market on what on the stress in the environment. We actually turned that from red back to yellow, and the spirit of that is to say, look, the spreads are holding. They're not quite as stressed as uh, they could have been, and that may well be reflecting a little bit less worry in the environment. So just think of it as another sense of finding balance is the idea, yeah, we're unfortunately in a very low growth situation, but the idea would be that um, we uh, uh, don't think we're going to be in a deep recession. We may, and again, we'll get into this next month or next episode, but we may uh, have a very soft recession, uh, but our forecast is for very close to zero growth, either you know zero to half a percent or minus half a percent to zero, somewhere in there. And so uh, not severe, if you will, in terms of a, of a potential recession. And that's led to, by the way, as we've talked about before, uh, earnings growth. So before I get to the stock market and earnings, uh, so from an economic outlook perspective, think of it as we, um, we think we'll get a sense of balance uh, in 2023 once we better understand what the Fed needs to do and um, whether or not we're in a severe recession. And our forecast, even though we do have a bull and a bear case scenario that we're modeling out, we'll publish about our base case is that that won't happen. Um, in any event, as I mentioned, that means earnings um, have uh, been muted relative to what the forecasts were at the beginning of 2022. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, yet for the full year, we're going to see earnings up uh, just under 6% is the forecast for 2022. And that, you know, that's kind of behind us. It's priced into the market, if you will. What's, I think, more important at this stage is looking forward. And when we look at fiscal year 2023, embedded in those uh, sort of bottom-up forecasts, individual analysts doing work on individual companies, is an implied growth rate of about 5.4%, for example, for the S&P 500. Now, recall that in uh, more severe recessions, earnings uh, often are usually actually decline, right? So the idea that we would have a positive growth rate is, uh, is good. And, um, and, and, you know, what I would say about the environment um, and market environment um, is, is that the markets have been very, very worried. So obviously, as it relates to making our way through all this, listening to the Fed, stay hawkish and com communicate being hawkish, that, that we've seen a little bit of relief over September, October, uh, November, but you know, of late in the last little bit, um, you know, we've seen the markets turn down a little bit. So not quite at our lows, but 
still uh, have been in a bear market. And you know, the bottom line is we've seen equity market weakness. Um, I will say this on rates, interestingly, we've seen an inversion. The 10-year is now uh, squarely below the um, the three-month T-bill, for example, or, or the uh, two-year. And that inversion is a signal that people think eventually rates are going to come back down. Um, sometimes that's a leading indicator for a recession, but that can be six to 12 months out. Um, and so anyway, long story short, as it relates to the markets, it's been a tough year. Uh, we think markets are basically oversold. Um, things like consumer sentiment signal that bulls versus bears, there's more bears out there right now. Cash allocations for asset managers and even the CNN fear and greed index are sort of in the fear category. All of those things typically are a signal that it's a good buying opportunity. Um, and one re- one of the reasons, which I think we talked about in the last episode, is this idea that the market tends to lead the economy. So think of it as once we start to see a signal that we're going to get through where whatever we're dealing with and we're heading into a new growth cycle from an economic perspective, the markets tend to trade ahead of that. So think of it as as we find balance, yeah, we'll see some volatility probably in the first half of the year. Maybe we'll see weaker markets from here, but we think we'll see ultimately recovery. And again, a little preview to our forecast for next year. We we expect muted uh, but positive returns for the full calendar year. And again, we think that's going to be driven by the market being forward-looking and anticipating that next economic growth cycle. We've talked about the idea that um, bonds are attractive at this point with yields up this year. That means that for people putting money to work in fixed income, it's much more attractive than it's been in many, many years. And we're seeing that uh, with clients. People are investing a bit more money in fixed income. Uh, so the markets anyway um, uh, have been challenged. They've been volatile. As we look forward, we are, especially over the next full calendar year, we're, we're uh, positive, uh, modestly positive on our outlook. In any event, um, a close out with the idea of geopolitics. So um, obviously we've had um, strains with Russia, the rest of the world, the war in Ukraine. Uh, we've seen sort of a refined uh, engagement between the U.S. and China. There's, there's basically cooperation and there's competition going on there. And in some ways what we're seeing is, um, you know, what has been sort of this world dominated by the U.S. that we are seeing now China kind of come in uh, and, uh, and really almost like developing allies economically, that's their goal anyway, and to be a significant player on the world's economic stage. And honestly, they made progress on that. So uh, again, we'll get, we'll get into it and publish an article on an outlook about that. But geopolitics is sort of wrapped all around us. And those are important considerations as we uh, think about investing and, um, and look forward into 2023 when doing so. Now, back in August, we had published this uh, calendar that sort of laid out all the different key dates uh, for the balance of the year, things like employment reports, inflation reports, retail sales reports, consumer sentiment, Fed meetings, Fed minutes, et cetera. And what we said back then was, hey, each of these dates are going to give us information. Each of these dates might be a little bit more volatile. And um, and we couldn't tell back then uh, for sure where things were headed, but we sort of talked about having relief through the balance of the year. And while we saw that volatility for sure. Uh, the bottom line is uh, we we uh, did see just a little bit of relief in terms of market recovery. And so we're really kind of at the end of the year. I think we have one set of data on housing left 
And uh, so again, uh, look forward to kind of updating that concept as we move into 2023 and share our outlook uh, in the next episode. So that's it for this episode, and that's it uh, for uh, 2023. I'll mention our, our uh, theme for our outlook will be finding balance. We're going to publish on January 4th of next year. That's our goal. So look forward to sharing that with you, and uh, we'll have in the show notes, uh, episode notes, we'll have links to all the work that we'll do for that outlook. So thanks so much again for listening uh, to this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.